Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Snipers. Hi! And I'm back. Uh, I'm doing pretty good this week. It's It's been pretty good, but I'm, I'm taking off. So before I leave, because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Before I leave, I got Chris Roberts, CR2 Shooting Solutions on the phone. We're going to kind of go over some things that are happening because Chris and I are going to be in the same place. We're going to be doing some classes together again uh, come November. And so we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, a little hodgepodge of things that we're going to bring up. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm I'm doing real good. Pretty pretty happy with life right now. I can't complain. Nice, nice. Well, keep away from me, man. I got that black cloud still that's hanging over me, but I'm hope to hide from it because on Sunday, I'm taking off to Alaska and I'm going on like a ten day hunt in the backcountry, float plane, dropped off, living off out of a bag. Um, outside my comfort zone, really. Uh, been a long time since I went camping. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I've been packing my bags. I got all dry bags and shit put together and, and things. So I, I'm going to be going um, out to uh, hang out with some people and watch them shoot a moose. Man, that's rad. I, uh, that's, a, that's a dream for me. I'm, I'm, I'm probably like the worst hunter when it comes to planning out my season. Um, so maybe I'm a hobbyist. I don't know. That seems to be the word these days, hobbyists. So I'm probably a hobby hunter. Yeah. Uh, I kind of do it all on the fly. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a television hunter. I see it on TV and go, oh, oh that animal looked cool, but I like to eat it. You know, I like the taste. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you, you know, it, it's like, well, I'd rather take its picture and save it. <laughs> Then really shoot it, but at the same time, I get it. Well, up there yeah. in Alaska, especially shooting's a necessity, um, oh, and they're going to eat off of it. So, but mm -hmm. we're gonna we're mm -hmm. gonna be uh, taking a plane in, getting dropped off, and we're boating down like kayak kind of shit. Yeah, that's so rad. Yeah, we're gonna be floating, drifting down. We'll stop off in spots. We're gonna look at what we got. Uh, we might be a little limited on our weight, so I'm not sure mm -hmm. if we're doing a moose or a caribou right now. Um, it's okay. really going to depend on where our weight falls because we think, as of last check-in, I only have about 875 pounds of free area on the boat. Only 875 pounds. Hey, so that might cameras you have, you can fill that up quickly. Yeah, but I'm saying that might mean the difference between a moose or a caribou. And it's like, mm. how crazy is that? It's like shooting dinosaurs up there. I mean, oh my gosh. The, the, yeah. And the only thing is, it's like I'm not going to put any of this stuff on a wall. You know what I mean? It's like not going to have a head on a wall. It's going for food. Right. And so I'm I'm not too worried about, like, the gaming side of it. And, and I know there's a million animals everywhere. The biggest thing is I'm right on the edge of weather. Okay. So That's I'm, what I was going to say because you're, you're getting to that point where it's, it's, it's out of the hot season, but you're not quite into – full-on Alaska winter yet, right? Potentially, so just, you're right. You're going back and forth. Yes, so it's going to be like rain, sleet, snow, a little bit of everything. So as some people have noted, this is this is Frank going outside the comfort zone to mm -hmm. um, to uh, to, to go in, in extent. Well, because, you know, like NRL Hunter's so big, you've done it, and we're seeing yeah. more of this. I mean, I have had so many hunters, guides, you name it in Alaska as students. So we're right. always talking in the context of the hunting because that's what they talk about up there 99% of the time. Their 1% are comp people. 
Right. And, and so now I'm kind of jumping into that. And I've had offers and, and with my, you know, my, my, my status changing and, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm no longer with a liberal vegan. I can go out right. and, and, and shoot things. So I like it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go out and shoot stuff. But you and I got some things happening. We got Texas coming up. Absolutely. Uh, Bridal Iron South. Yep. And I'm going to say that correctly. It's Bridal Iron South, not Iron Bridal South. It sounds better, Iron (laughs) Bridal. An Iron Bridal sounds like you're a badass. You're, you know, if your horse has an Iron Bridal, it's a fucking badass horse because it's chewing. I think that's that's kind of a a given. Like, aren't the bridles always iron? Well, the the bit is, the bit part, but they have leather. The rest is leather, I guess. I don't know. And then somebody asked me, they're like, Hey, you're going to blah, 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 blah's camp. And I only ever met like Nick and them when we were there, right? Right. So I don't know any of the other owners, but people are like, that's so-and-so. I'm like, I have no clue who is there. And and it's it's crazy like that, right? Right. It's typical Frank going somewhere and having. Well, I was, you know, I was at a class. um, What what, what class was that? Or no, I was at the NRL Hunter match, the finale. And there were some guys that I shared an Airbnb with and they sell real estate up in the PNW. And so I told them like, Oh yeah, I was just kind of up there. You know, I've hunted a mule deer last year for my first time. They're like, Oh yeah, where at? I was like, uh, you know, near John next to, you know, like they're telling me all about the piece of property I was on and the owners and what owners has exchanged hands. <laughs> like, uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know the answer to any of these questions, but apparently you do. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's exactly how this comes out is like people were, I'm, I'm getting quizzed last week about the Texas place. And I go, mm-hmm. no, there's just so-and-so. And they're like, no, that's a hunt place and does this and does that. That's, what is it? Uh, Maloney or something? Malone? Um, Melon Creek Ranch. Melon is, Creek. That's the, what it the, is. Yeah. Melon. Yeah. And, and, and they, that's what they're bringing up. They're like, you're going to Melon Creek. I'm like, no, I'm going to. You know, Brian. Yeah, it's a, that's a big deal from my understanding. And that's how it was presented to me, and I was completely clueless. It, mm-hmm. it, it was like I felt like so stupid because I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was we're, there. We're just not in the know. Yes, yeah, we're not. You know? We're not. We're not hooked into that world, and that world is so much bigger than ours. Mm-hmm. And you know, that just really brings up a good point because I think in the precision rifle world, we think that we are the epicenter of of you know of everything of the technology and and just the community as a whole and it's like you know we we really make up just such a small portion of this you know and we could kind of realize ourselves it would probably be be a good thing for us at least from an ego standpoint yeah yeah and then and so that's why i'm kind of gonna stretch my hunting legs out i'm gonna go back into the woods i'm gonna hang out there for a little bit and, 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 you know, just basically give that a whirl and, and jump back into that part of the, the situation. So I, I think that'll be a kind of a good thing because it's been forever. I mean, I'm, dude, yeah. I, I want five stars. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, mm-hmm. it, you, mm-hmm. wait a minute, two and a half stars. Are we really, really going to stay here? Are you serious? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's kind of. No, weird. it's good for you. Yeah. Get your fingernails dirty, huh? Yeah. Well, one of them's dirty right now. Um, I don't know from what, but it is. <laughs> uh, so no, that's cool. It's, it'll be a great experience, I'm sure, and man, it's definitely jealous. I, uh, you know, my hunting experience. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up hunting. Um, I really picked it up uh, 
a few years after I got married because my, my in-laws hunted and I always had wanted to, but I just never did. So I got into hunting from being with them and doing stuff. And then, you know, that grew into me getting to go on a guided hunt last year out in Oregon, which was just amazing. And, you know, and then I got let into some private property down here in Georgia and got a great white tail. And so now it's like, I feel like I'm finally growing up and getting into <laughs> yeah, some real yeah. hunting or something. I don't know. <laughs> no. And, and, and that's kind of what's going on. And, and, and it's funny too, cause I got, you know, I had a pickup from down here cause they don't have it up there. I got like the dangerous game, big boar stuff for the 10 mils and, you know, anti-bear shit. And you, you know, you got to think about all this crap going up there. Versus if I was down here, I wouldn't sweat it as much. You know, maybe you worry about a mountain lion, maybe a bear here or there. But up there, it's like, fuck, dude, I'm loaded to bear with 10 mil solids and shit and carrying a damn <laughs> Glock, you know? It's like, holy cow, I got yeah, to carry a sidearm because of fucking animals, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm a snack, you know? I mean, you get one of those bears <laughs> oh, yeah. up there. You know, that dude's like, oh, a cub, <laughs> you know? When you, when you said mountain lion, I immediately thought of one just kind of dragging you up a tree. Yeah, yeah. Because they could. Well, oh, easily, <laughs> especially here in Colorado, yeah, no problem. But, yeah, up in Alaska, man, it's dinosaurs, so everything's, you know, six times bigger than I am. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the that's the little ones. Right, so, right. But, um... Also, we we got going, speaking of hunting, which to kind of sidetrack because it's sitting right in front of me, Revic released their laser rangefinder, Gunworks. So okay. They have a new BR4 laser rangefinder. Dude, it's fucking kick ass. It's, really? It's small. Okay. It has a complete uh, weather package in it. I mean, it's like a Kestrel inside of it. It does everything. Mm-hmm. It's got a tiny, it's LED. It gives you a ton of info. It works with the software. It is the quickest friggin' laser I've ever seen. How fast it redoes, you know, um, resets itself. And even though it's LED, it's got a tiny, tiny little uh, aiming point. I got a cow on my range at 1,800. Wow. Individual cow. And they're saying, like, Aaron over there talking to them, they're, they're on record, man, going to me, and I believe it. I just didn't go back that far. 2400 on an individual animal. Wow. It's a nice little laser, man. It it's it's not overpriced. It's in the zone. It's 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 pretty darn good. So I got a copy of that laser or a, a version of it here. Um I'm a firmware behind, but uh it's still wow, what a fantastic little unit. Uh, um that I, I was totally impressed with what they did with it. Uh, so that that's kind of going to the hunting. They got their side. own solver in there too. Yeah, he has his own solver. The same thing that's in the um, Revic scopes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and it uses the same software. So basically, you're connecting your Revic scope and your Revic laser to the same app, and then you can kind of work yeah. within that one place and have multiple devices, which I think is very cool. Honestly, I think still to this day. If you're looking at a software built into a scope, the Revic is the best one. I mean, there's okay. the, there's the Elkans, there's a cup. I mean, even the Schmidt, you know, the, the one you guys looked at when you were in the Army? Yeah. I think the Revic's better um, okay. than what that had. So, yeah, I mean, Gunworks has some nice stuff. You shot the stock and everything on my rifle there after we finally got it fixed. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was my fault. It wasn't put together right. I basically slapped it on and handed it to you and was like, hey, dude, have fun. And you're like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> well, you know, that was an interesting experience all the way around. It, you know, and a learning experience of nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So, so. which, I, you know, I had never shot an ELR match of any type. You know, I know some of the ELR guys will argue whether or not that's an, a true ELR match, but I'd never, I'd never shot an ELR match. You know, anything, anything at a mile or beyond for me had just been kind of sport, you know, like playing around in a range and never in kind of competition setting. So yeah, yeah. To, to be able to shoot that and to be, you know, have some, some, some semblance of, of success in that arena was, was pretty cool. You yeah, know? Nice, nice. Yeah. So come October, right before we jump into no- November to, um, uh, bridal iron, I, I keep wanting to say yeah. it backwards, dude. I want to say backwards. Anyway, uh, we're going to probably be at the Precision Rifle Expo. And yes. Yeah, I saw your post about that yesterday. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, I'm just going to come and, and, and sit in the back and listen. Yeah. you know, I want to learn too. Well, one of the things that I'm going to do, and I'm doing it more often, you've seen a little bit of it, but I'm kind of working mm-hmm. it a little bit, and you guys are getting into it bigger, is we want to talk shot process. Absolutely. Because the fundamentals in, like, because there is a, there is a difference between the Marine Corps and the Army side. We've looked at it. We understand there's a sure. difference. But the, the people out there who may not be, uh, you know, who may not have seen both sides of the house may not right. get it that the front's painted different than the back. I right. mean, but inside, right. we still kind of have the same mission and everybody wants to do the same mm-hmm. thing. So me kind of getting, uh, you know, the experience with you guys and seeing the shot process side of things versus us doing our sort of fundamental that we're doing. I like the idea of the shot process. To me, it, it, it works two ways, though. I'm doing the fundamentals up front and then the shot process before we walk out the door, even though okay. technically they, they belong together. Right. So kind of why don't you throw out some how you guys are looking at the shot process and give yeah. a broad overview so, you know, I've been talking a lot about this lately and, um, it, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, uh, I've watched this grow and it kind of started just within my own circle, um, with what we've been talking about. And now it, it's funny cause you know, once you share something or post something, then next thing you know, it ends up on another page and then another group. And then this, these people are discussing it. And so, um, it ended up in some places where I had never intended um, and so we had a lot of really, you know, kind of bigger conversations about it, but, you know, I, let me just start by saying the, the, the first, the first part about it is, is this is not original thought for Chris or CR2. Um, this is, so we're actually teaching and, and I hate, I hate to even do it, but I, I guess I, I really need to say this up front is, uh, you know, we don't as CR2 want to teach sniper school light to civilians, which right. I feel like a lot of people do, um, because I think that that is, um, it does a disservice to everybody in the community both on both sides of the fence. Um, but of course things carry over. Right. And so one of those things that carried over from our time active, um, was the shot process and the shot process has been a doctrinal thing for the army since I want to say probably 2016, um, time frame is when it was actually like written into our, our marksmanship manual, even though, um, a lot of people just didn't even want to acknowledge it until probably about two, seven, 2017, 2018 timeframe. But, um, really what we're doing with the shop process and we'll talk a little bit about what and then why. 
Well, and that was Rance. Rance was the big driver behind that. No, actually, so so adopting the shots into sniper school, yes. But actually, no, that actually predates him to a couple other guys. So uh, Ash Hess was, um, you know, he's a guy, he, he runs uh, his own company called Quantified Performance. And he was, when he was in the Army, he was actually the guy who wrote that into um, the manual. And I think actually some of this information goes back to like Kyle DeFore, from my understanding, and maybe even some other people. And it's kind of a blend that has come together into what was written into our doctrine. So gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and Rance was really the driving force behind it in the sniper community, um, but it kind of even predates him. So it basically what so, you're saying is it came more out of your 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 uh, your soft side of things, and now it's kind of become big army. And then no, it, no, no. Uh, actually it was it was, it was a big army one? drive. Even soft really took a long time to come over to it. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. big army doctrine at Fort Benning, Building Four headquarters, Building Doctrine office is where it came out of, which is which is kind of crazy. It's backwards. <laughs> it's really kind of backwards is what you're, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so, so it, um, it makes but, sense. So go ahead been, and go and in, in, in kind of roll into that. Yeah, so we've been talking, like I said, we've been talking about the what a lot, and we haven't talked about the why, so I'm going to kind of, I want to kind of talk about both so that way people understand. Because I, I think what happens when we only talk the what and the what being, okay, what is the shot process? People go, well, you've just taken the fundamentals and, and renamed them. And, and it's like, you know, I guess at, at face value, you could say that and, and there'd be some semblance of truth there, but there's, there's actually quite a bit more to it. And, and I agree um, with that. There's more to the deeper I go to it, the more variety it gives me. Right. And, and so I had, I had actually started a thread on the hide a couple weeks back. You know, because it was like I found myself in the middle of the night not being able to sleep. And so I'm like, oh, let me contribute more to the hide. And so I started my own thread on there. And uh, it, it hasn't really gotten too much traction. But, you know, Mark actually got on there and commented about a week ago. And, he, you know, he, he said uh, something to the effect of, uh, he's like, you're dancing. Oh, I lost you a second. You there? You went MIA. Move your phone. Oh no, we lost Chris. Hang on, I'm going to pause it a second. So, so Mark, Mark, uh, who knows? It's probably my my signal here. Yeah, it, it, so, it's so Cody. Mark, Go ahead. So Mark had said he's like, you know, you can dance all around it all you want, but ultimately, it's still the fundamentals. And, and I was like, you know, Mark, I'm 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 glad you saw this. I had a feeling eventually you would. Um, and so we had more of a broader discussion about it. But when when that video I posted from uh, our last class down in Florida, it was my opener to our class. And so I, I kind of, you know, speak at absolutes and I use a lot of hyperbole and, and I'm like, you know, you don't need, you know, what people got out of it was me saying, you don't need to worry about your breathing or your trigger control. What they didn't hear was anything else I said. And that's how, and <laughs> honestly, that. I had a guy in class in Iowa, the last class we just did, and it was one of the problem students who we were beating up a bit on the fundamentals who, who slapping the, um, uh, <laughs> so, um, hang on. I just had a funny thing. Anyway, so this, we had our, a problem student, not a problem, but a guy that marks on constantly for slapping the trigger, right? Well, right. then I did the demo when I went to tripod. Now the last day, third day of a three-day class, I'm doing alternate positions. We set up the PRSE type shit. 
and I put the tripod yeah. up, and the first thing I do is I reach over, and, and they didn't see me set the rifle up on the target. So I was doing a bunch of other stuff while they were shooting a different stage. And so the tripods were all set up. I had like three tripods lined up. And my rifle was on one, preset, ready to go. So then I go into my spiel, yada, 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 here we go. And I reach over and I tap the trigger and hit the friggin' plate at four or 500 yards, whatever I shot it at, probably four and change. Yep. And the guy goes, well, what the fuck you beating up on me for if you're just going to do that? Because he's like, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. But yeah, he and, missed everything that led up to it. But, well, but he, he has a point that we can compromise and we can, we can dampen the fundamentals. It's trading sure. off and indexing. Jacob and I, when we did it in class, we called it trading off and indexing. You, you, you trade off the shit you can't control. You're breathing heavy because you're running. You want to take that out of the equation. You're going to have to do everything you can to steady yourself up so your trigger better be right, your NPA better be right, and that's a trade-off and an index because you know, dude, I just ran. I'm breathing far too heavy. I'm never going to be where I need to be. But then you have to look at the high-value, low-value priority of the target. Is it bigger or smaller? You you know what I mean? And and so – yeah, if you're shooting a two MOA plate, we can get away with it. If you're shooting right. a half MOA plate, maybe not so much. Right, and and and, and that and that's and that's where the shot process comes in, because the 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 crux of the shot process is that you know you need to you know shooting itself is a process, and it's a process that's involving to the situation in which you find yourself. And so, like you said, if I'm breathing hard because I just ran up this hill. You know, maybe I have to index on other things that are more important or that I can control, you know, and, and I'll trade off on my breathing or my trigger squeeze. You know, a perfect example of this was, was at the finale, um, at the NRL Hunter finale, uh, there was a stage that was at the top of a hill. I mean, a lot of them were at the top of a hill, but there was one that was like, you really had to do a movement up a hill probably you know, a couple hundred yards or whatever it was. And I remember I got, as I started running up this hill and I'm you know out of shape because I'm not at the duty anymore and putting all that effort into things. But, um, I get, I, as I'm running up this hill, I'm like, I am going to be so out of breath when I get up there. And so if we looked at breathing as such an important thing that if you can't, if you don't do it, you can't be successful then I would never be able to be successful when I got up there. But I was, I, you know, I actually hit all of my targets and they were small and they were far away and there was a wind call involved and, and I had to find them. I had to range them. And so it's like, well, how can I be successful? Well, because I thought of shooting as a process and I traded off on one thing and I indexed on other stuff. And so that's kind of the point behind it is, you know, we take those, those, those functional elements, the stability, the aim, the control and the movement, and we stack and tier them you know, pertinent to the situation in which we find right. ourselves. And, and I, if I'm not going to be able to control my breathing, I'm going to build a better house. And if as I, I ex- I'm going to be off shooting off a rickety barrier, then I need to really control my breathing, my aiming, my trigger squeeze or trigger control. Yes. And, and how I explained to you guys when I got introduced to this through you, it's in there. You're just not using the same words. You still got to set up and come and address a, a, a barricade or whatever correctly. You still have to have your body position right. Otherwise, it's going to create an issue for your recoil management. It's going to create an issue for your follow-up shots. And 
you can pull yourself off target. You want your wobble zone to be centered on the plate, not off to one side. So there's all these things that are happening. You're just not using the words natural point of aim. But, I mean, even now... with Well, we do. You do. We do still still talk natural point of aim, breathing, trigger control, sight alignment, sight picture. We still use all of those things, but they're tiered under the stability, aim, control, or movement. Right, but I mean, they're not... As far as I saw, you don't have a set definition for stability. Stability covers a whole bunch of things that I may say it different than you. We're all talking about the same thing. But to, my yeah, understanding so, is there's no definition to those the same way, like trigger control, manipulation of the trigger without disturbing the lay of the sights. There is right. no single source definition for aiming or control in your shot process. It's kind of open to situational interpretation. Well, you know, I, I, I that that is true, and 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 I will say that this is this is something that has grown in our course, you know, this is our first year in our course Mm -hmm. and we are trying to find that fine balance of teaching people, um, you know, teaching people the fundamentals or teaching people the process. Well, if I want them to think of the process, then if I harp so specifically on individual elements or, or actions underneath that process, then it goes back to just being the fundamentals. And, 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 there, and this is kind of where we go into the what of, what versus the why. So we still do talk natural point of aim stability, and we do still have definitions of those. And and if you you know as you'll see in Texas when we go back out there, um, I will talk about it more than I did before. But what we want people to do is to to build their own shot process and understand why they're building it and 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 how they're building it. So. Part of this goes back into, and, and why we stepped away from the fundamentals was, if you looked at the root word of what fundamentals was and what it meant, and the old way of thinking about it, and this, and this isn't true for everybody. You know, guys like you, guys like Mark, guys like, you know, uh, I'm sure Jacob and some of these other folks, they've always thought of the shot process or the, the fundamentals of archership as a process. They've already realized that. Right. But if you look back into doctrinal right, reading, it wasn't. It wasn't a process. Those were four things that had to be done at the same time and had the same amount of importance. Yes. And so that's really kind of where that, you know, wordplay kind of came into was if everything matters and it matters all the time and it matters evenly, then if we remove one of those things, we can no longer be successful. But we know that to not be true. It's proven day in, day, day out, especially with the type of, 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 positional shooting that we're doing these days and the trade-off and indexing that we're having to do that we need to think about this in the correct mind frame. And so the mind frame was, is that, you know, your mind truthfully doesn't multitask very well. And there's a lot of argument of whether or not you multitask at all, but really what we've, what they've kind of found through a lot of studies is that you rack and stack things, you put importance of things and you, you, you address one thing at a time. Everything may be on your mind, but there's one thing that you're putting the most focus to until you go to the next thing. And then maybe that thing that you started off with has less importance, but you're still, you're still kind of thinking about it. So you can't really think about the four fundamentals of marksmanship and think that they're all just as important and that you're going to multitask all those things at the same time because your, your, your brain will actually get overwhelmed. 
Right. And so what the, what the process has done is put things into a logical order and called them what they are. And that was kind of the crux behind it. And, and, and everybody just got lost in the, oh, well, it's wordplay. And it was like, well, it's not wordplay. If you look at the old doctrine of what the fundamentals marksmanship was, they were all important at all the time. Well, and, and I even did it. Yeah, I, I'm going to give you a great example of wordplay, and I've taken it out of my presentation recently within the last year. But I had as part of the fundamentals, as sort of a follow up, as sort of a wrapping it all together, I had yes. calling your shot. Right. Because it's a mindset. And what yep. I did was. I changed calling your shot because of where we are today with video and what I'm looking at mm -hmm. with my cameras. So calling your shot was a sling thing because I did come up in the Marine Corps when I still, still qualified with a sling. Right. And so you had PMIs, your coaches and stuff, your primary marksmanship instructor, and he would say to you, shot fired from the standing. I'm at 200 yards. I'm doing my standing shot. I'm going to rotate back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock on recoil. There's no way I'm not going to move under recoil, holding a rifle up, shooting it standing. So they would say to you, where were the sights when the shot broke? Call your yeah. shot. Where were the sights? Was that a good shot or bad shot? Your coach is now talking to you. But now we look at video, and when we're shooting prone, and I do a demo even with Mark with the recoil management, we get less than a quarter of an inch of movement if everything's put together right on the rifle. It comes straight back in a line. I put my hand there, and the scope moves less than a quarter of an inch. And I changed it to say, where are the sights? Versus where were the sights? Because that right. were gives you the permission to lose your sight picture, where are right. puts you in the moment. So absolutely. Say picture or sight alignment? Well, picture really, but both. Okay. But you know what I'm yeah. saying? How, how under recoil, I'm going to lose my sight picture. And then I'm going right. to come back to recoil and I'm going to regain it. Yeah. Well, that is where were the sights. But if we say, listen, dude, you're shooting prone off a bipod. You got a six millimeter, 26 pound gun with a rear bag, bipod, all this other stuff. That gun's not moving. Where are the sights? You should see it. And that's where we're trying to get people to look through the scope, to look downrange, to see the result of their shots on their own. It's part of recoil management. It's part of a technique to spot your own impact. So you're trying to put the shooter in a new frame of mind so they understand that. So what you guys are doing, like competition really is a great, I mean, we could talk hunting again. Movement may not be required. I could right. have a fucking moose come out of the woods or see one and sit right where I am and him walk to me. Mm -hmm. Or he can be going in a different direction and now I have to consider moving to change my angle on him. Right. In fact, I was watching some videos on YouTube and Kyle Lamb. Research. Yes, I was totally. I wanted to see some skinning stuff because I ain't fucking cut anything up. And um, there you go. so I was well, you watching. You got little hands too, so getting in there is gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, I'm easy, man. So I was watching Kyle Lamb in Alaska shooting a moose. Mm -hmm. And 
it came right to him, and the guide was like, stay right here. He's going to come to us. And that's what happened. They got like a 10-yard shot. Mm -hmm. You know, so to me, but a PRS guy, they're going to move. Right. Because there's not going to shoot from one place. You're going to have to move. So you have to look at movement as part of what you're doing. I mean, and and, Mm -hmm. and not to, no thing on, I, I, I get where Mark's coming from. But Mark's in a very tight box with what we're doing. He's he's trying to put you... Mark's looking at day one and day two, not day Mm -hmm. three, which is when we get off our belly, we do little comp things, we we, we do little scrambles. But day one, we're trying to get you a foundation. We're pouring a foundation on day one and two. In those situations, we're watching concrete dry. So we want mm-hmm. you frozen in position, executing something identical. Right. So really, there is no process. There is. But the fundamentals work because we're asking you to do those versus... Well, we still, we still look at it as a, as, as a process because, you know, the first thing you're starting with is, is always stability. Right. So I have to build my house. I have to build the foundation before I can build my house. So I, 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 I build the most stable position I can from the prone. It's very easy, you know, prone bipods with a bag. I can build a very stable position, but you still have to build it. Right. 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 I mean, cause you, I mean, you've seen that, but that goes to hard, where he's, you know. his focus is a lot on a rear bag. Cause he, we see right. so many people moving and rocking in the rear bags or so many people compromising on the rear bag. They're compromising stability. By mm-hmm. using a inferior bag or a compromised bag, a front rest Absolutely. as a rear bag. So you're compromising stability. Look at what you guys did with your girl with uh, the missing arm. We talked right. about it at length. You had to increase her stability with external devices. Exactly. And I even, I even ended up taking the rear bag that she couldn't use and putting it under her chest because, you know, we don't even realize that we support our chest, especially if we're higher with taller bipods and some of our, our shooters that can't pronate as much, um, you know, or they lose some that mobility in their back that you actually are holding your chest off the ground a lot of times or right. these portions of it. And so, you know, in order for her to build a stable position with a, with a monopod and a bipod, that meant she had her chest needed to be off the ground, which she didn't have a, a, an additional arm to hold herself. Right. Um, and so, so that, that's where that rear bag came into play and it just wasn't under the gun. <laughs> it's, it, it's all there. It's just broken up and it's looked at in a different way. It's more looked at bird's eye than mm-hmm. mind's eye. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, 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 and that's why I don't, I don't argue with people of like, you, and I don't tell people, oh, you can't teach the fundamentals or you shouldn't teach the fundamentals. And honestly, the wordplay side of it of, well, is that what fundamental means? No, it's not what fundamental means. So stop using, you know, I like, I, we have those conversations, but I'm not, I'm not so dead set in it that I don't think that you teaching fundamentals can be successful because absolutely you are, you know, um, and the fact that you take shot process and you couple that with fundamentals, you know, would drive some of those people who wrote the doctrine absolutely insane. But I understand it as it, it, they're 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 understanding it in the way that their brain processes it, and that's 
all what the shot process was ever about to begin with was, was, was logically processing this set of tasks. Right. Well, and I you look know? at, yes. And I look at it where you guys are, you're assuming everybody knows where to put the key in the car, where to put the gas in and what the brake and steering wheel do. And you're kind of giving traffic signals and saying, you know, here's directions to my house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, how can I drive to your house if I don't know what the brake and the gas pedal are doing? So our fundamentals are teaching you how to play the, the brake and the gas pedal. Right. And the shop process is how to get to your house. Yeah. And it already assumes sure. you know how to turn on the car. Right. And I guess there is, there is some assumption there because yes. the community that we come from has a, whether they're, whether they're good or not, uh, has, has, you know, maybe a foundation and, and we have seen that, Hold you know, we've had, s- we've had students. What's that? Hold on one second. All right. We're back. Sorry about that. I got, I have, I'm in like constant traffic mode at my house right now. So I had to stop at the door and pause everybody and be like, Hold on a minute. They're going to come in and start yelling. Everybody will start talking. Cause I got people from back yeah. East staying here with me to help out with my issues um, while I'm away. But anyway, no, the, in the process is and, and like I said, I like, I like that it opens you up to a direction. It's like not putting you in a box. It's saying, Hey man, stability is stability's different in the prone different for someone who's handicapped, different when we're on a tripod, different when I don't make the rules. I mean, you know, there's all these things that we're subject to that we may not have made the rules. And so there really needs to be a framework to navigate and and to help you get there quicker. It's like, well, wait a Mm -hmm. minute. I don't have time to sit back and analyze this situation but if I know certain truisms that find the most stable position I can get away with as quick as possible, okay, that helps. And then identifying and aiming in on the target and doing these things, putting my dope in with your checklist. You know, so you, you got your yeah. stability, and, aiming, controls, and movement. Mm-hmm. So and, go, the, and those are the guiding framework. Right. But I mean, what do you, for stability, what, what are you basically doing under the definition? Just that finding the most stable position? What, no, I mean, so we get it, we get into the same stuff that you guys get into. We're, we're talking about, you know, using bipods, using rear bags, using tripods. We're talking about natural point of aim. You know, we're talking about muscle relaxation. We're talking about, you know, using bone on bone support. If you had to shoot from, you know, a position where you're, you're supporting the weapon system. So all the same things that we kind of talked about under stability before still talked about under stability. Those still all play into what we're trying to achieve. They're just ways for us to achieve stability. Right, right. And 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 then where do you go with aiming? What's other than I So mean, aiming, obviously you still that's where so I like natural point aim because it really kind of translates back and forth between or or transcends the bounds between stability and aim. Um, uh, but you know, sight pitcher, sight alignment, it's going to be your holds or your, whether it's a hold or a dial, you know, for windage and elevation, um, you know, it's going to be your focus. Um, you know, really, like I said, all the same stuff that we've been talking about, um, yeah. you know, for, for aim for a while, you know, your, your control, 
it is just that it's, it's, it's how you control the weapon system, you know, whether that be your grip, whether that be the, your trigger control, whether that be your breath control. All right. So it's, it's, it's the actual control, like you physically controlling the weapon and then movement is, it's your movement into position. It's your, it's your movement out of position. It's your movement while in position. It's your, uh, oh, and another point of, re, of, of uh, control is recoil management. Mm. Um, your movement, um, and, you know, like I said, as you're transitioning between those targets and then, and then, you know, also trying to focus on economy of movement. So like when I move, I want to move with the least amount of steps to get to my desired location. But then also when I move, I want to have my body aligned with the target because we see that all the time where people will address their weapon from the side rather than the rear. And so, or they'll start off index behind the weapon, you know, pointing directly at their target. And then when they have to transition, they, they transition the weapon without transitioning their body. Yeah. Yep. And so now they have a breakdown in natural point of aim. They have a breakdown in recoil management. You know, if they don't make that initial shot hit, they got, you know, they have issues with follow-up. They may even have issues with sight alignment. So, um, that's, that's kind of where we've gone with it. it, it uh, the, well, and the, I plan, I don't know if you saw it in at, the thing. I plan on doing that because I'm going to the Precision Rifle Expo. Um, I'm right. going to do my fundamentals. And, and I really, it was funny because I got an email from Phil um, Cashin over there, MPA, and, and he invited me to, to do this. And so I just get the email yesterday, day before, hey, what are you going to do? And they knew I was going to do a fundamental type class, but I am going to do sort of a fundamental but around the eval and then the shot process and work those two together and then do a little bit of weaponized math because to me it ties all three together. So if you if you look at um you know if if you look at our fundamental and look at the eval and what we're breaking down in the fundamental eval. We're looking at all these little nitpicky things. We got 20 different points that we're looking at. Then yeah. if you kind of fold that into the shot process just like you exactly like you just said now you've covered those within the process we're looking at and to the audience I'm dealing with that's going to be in Georgia, it's yep. going to be more of a comp type process. And so those people are going to have movements in these things. And you can't put yourself in a box and say to a comp guy, you have to do this because they know they don't have to do that. <laughs> right. You know what they I mean? that out. <laughs> right. They can get away with a ton. Why do I need to my recoil when my Well, wife, they know they're going to need a better gun. <laughs> they, you know what? They know they can yeah. buy it. And sure. buy, they can buy a lot of it. With right. weight, weight is stability. Weight buys right. you a fix. Your triggers. Yeah, and I want, you know, I want to caveat that really quick because people, they hear you say that, they hear some of these other guys say that, and, you know, they want to argue that point. And, and what I've seen... I, on both sides of this fence is the guys who are the best are still properly applying their fundamentals yep. and then have great equipment. The guys that are in the middle of the pack are the ones that are somewhere in between that. And that's where a lot of people, they get confused when, when we make those statements of when you can buy favoritism, you can buy hits. Well, yes, that's not, but, yeah, that, but they're missing the other half too. What, you can buy, right. you buy every point you can get until you can't buy any more Then you have to practice. Right. And you only can well, buy so many from the, from the, from the court of let's practice 
let's get to the limit of, of our of equipment and then do with move up to the next one. Yes, absolutely. Right. Well, and that's because we come out of the military where we didn't have saying what we used. Right. This is absolutely. your gun, dude. This is how it is. And the same thing, the cop side of things, we know they're notorious for not spending their own money. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a knock, it's a reality. And, and what it is is you're issued a rifle, you're asked to perform across the course with the rifle, so we're giving you the tools to, to adapt that system to what you're doing. But if you're a competitor with money, then you can buy something that's pre-adapted to what you're going to shoot, and then you just have to practice executing it within the time frame. Right. The rifle's already flat-bottomed. It's already weighted. It already has a chassis that's designed around the tools you're using. I mean, there's the boards. There's all these different things to manage your data, to put all this together. So if we put everything on the rifle that a comp person would have, then your bags. Your bags are adapted, to the, and that's why, that's why there's 16 different bags because they're, right. they're, they're modified and adapted to where the, the series is today. And so they know we're creating our props to, to act like this. This bag design works best. So mm-hmm. you're buying that adapted and not saying, here's a sand sock, make it work. Right. And that's really the, the, the only difference in, 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 in how we're teaching, but we're all teaching the same thing. It's that slight change in context. And like you said, it's, it's we're trying to bring the, the, we're trying to maximize the shooter understanding they always can get better equipment versus mm. having equipment and then just, you know, letting the equipment carry you as far as possible. Well, and we see that all the time. I mean, and I know you do too, where, where we've got a student who's, who's got $20,000 in gear and he doesn't have 20 cents in training, you know, and it's like, Oh, oh my goodness. You know, and, and, and then it, you see a level of frustration in a lot of those students, not all, but a lot of those students, because then when their stuff doesn't perform to the level of what they paid, you know, their issues. Like I just, you know, just in our last class, we had a student who showed up, um, and I won't name a brand, um, but he had a, about a $3,000 scope, you know, it was a really nice scope. And, um, we chased that thing all over. Now, I don't know if it were, truly was a scope issue or not, but ultimately I replaced it with an Arkin, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I put a $400 scope on his gun and I, you know, like let's not worry about all that whiz bang stuff and, and the truth I don't know if it's your equipment or you or but here I want you to use use this because I know this works I know there's no issues here and you know he completed the rest of the course of fire and he was like wow you know this is amazing I need to hear one of those and I was like well they're four hundred dollars you can order online he was like what I was like yeah like you you went out and bought all the best equipment and then set it up and and I honestly I think he had damaged his scope when installing it because I saw some things that were kind of alarming. Right. Um, but it was like, I wish you had just come to me first. You know, I wish I had guns for every student to borrow. Well, that's like you know, I said, we me. assume people know where to put the key in the car and what the freaking brake and the gas pedal do. And I think that's part of the fallacy because like you, I mean, you just said there's a guy who shot the cup and he, he shot probably seven or eight national level matches that I know of that I've been informed of. And when I talked to Pinch and Vibbert, I said, hey, dude, how do I fix this? 
We got a guy that shot 10%, and you guys are shooting 85%. This guy's got a fucking 25 Charlie. He's got all the best stuff. He hit 10%. He's a $9,000 razor laser range finder. Right. And 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 it's it's not but it's 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 like you said he doesn't have any money in training. And so the, right. the thing is is we right. assume that when we see somebody with a Gucci piece of gear, they actually know, but I always throw it on the hide all the time. People right. when people yeah, talk about I can afford gear and and I see it all the time. People get offended when I bring it up. It's like, dude, Ownership does not equate to competence. And you want me to prove right. it? Look at how many Ferraris are smashed on the first day. Right. You know what I mean? I right. can take pictures of Lamborghinis that are smashed outside the front of the dealership. Oh, there's, there's, there, there's, there's hours of fail videos yes. on, on, on YouTube of, 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 of owners of crashing cars on the way out of the parking lot. Right. Exactly. And so to me, that's kind of where we're at. It, it and and it's not right to I use I kind of jokingly say more money than sense, but it, right. it, what they're trying to do is buy ones, cry ones. They're just kind of out of order. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like you know if you almost just came to a course, then you could find out what you should buy. Right. I mean, you could. Truth be told, is there's enough gonna there's gonna be enough equipment there that you can get a very strong understanding of what equipment you should have, but. You know, everybody wants to be a competition shooter, and so they go to the competition first. Yeah. And then they see what the competition shooters are using, and they assume that that's where they need to be. You know, and it's like, well, maybe someday you will end up there, but if that's where you go first, you, you miss the point. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and everybody assumes that their daddy taught them how to shoot a gun correctly. Well, maybe it's worth building a throwaway. I mean, if you, if you have that kind of money, I mean, number one, right. $1,000 for a course is a bargain. There's nothing we're, we're buying that's kind of in that zone when you're right. talking high end shit, you know, with a scope. So a thousand bucks for the course is that. So if you went and instead of spending, like you said, three K on a scope and maybe they spent five K on a rifle, you know, and then they're putting everything together. So let's say they're, they're out the door at 10 K and they've never taken a course. Well, if they went a thousand dollars for that, spent a thousand dollars for a scope and a thousand dollars for a rifle that they know they're going to hand down. They can come to a right. class, get spun up. Now they spent three thousand instead of ten k. Now they can mm-hmm. better spend that ten k, and understand Absolutely. when they're putting it together, how to put it together for them. Well, not to mention there's there's nothing you'll get with ten that you couldn't have got with nine. <laughs> yeah, in this sport, you know, truthfully, if you looked and you shopped and you and you paid attention, there's nothing you could have got with ten that you couldn't have got with nine. For the most part, right. and there's your there's your there's your thousand dollars for training. No, totally. You know? totally. it's just kind of it's it's kind of sad. Yeah, and then, and and it's funny too. Cause so when we first started teaching, um, we were approached by a, a writer who wanted to write. About, I think I talked about this before, but you know, who wanted to write an article about us to help us get our name out there. And super appreciative uh, of what they did for us. Um, but you know, they kept wanting to ask us, well, are you, you know, do you guys are you guys fundamentalists or do you guys you know, teach comp shooting. And I, and, and it was like, you know, hold on a second. What, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you know, do you guys teach the fundamentals or do you guys teach, you know, teach people what they need to know to be able to shoot a comp? And I was like, why are those different? It's the fact that you're asking me that is alarming to me because those aren't mutually exclusive. Well, cause you have guys but teaching people how to study for a test are, is what they're doing. Right. 
Right. It's like the fact that you think they are yeah. is, is what I have the issue with. You know, if somebody wants to come and learn the fundamentals, then come to my course. Yeah. If you want to learn, come and learn how to shoot in a competition, then come to my course. If you want to learn how to kill an animal, you should come to our course. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we're the best equipped to teach you the nuances of being a national level match winner. But if you want to learn how to shoot a gun in any environment, then you should come do our course. Yeah. Well, guys have gotten because that's what we're teaching. pretty successful teaching you how to shoot a match by putting on a match and letting you shoot it multiple times. So you're going to a match, a place that's set up as a match. You're going to stages that are identical to the match. And in some cases, where the match is being shot, and then you're, you're, you're getting the experience by saying, here's the five or six variations of this you're going to see. Because there's really yeah. only about right. four or five variations. So here's the five yeah. variations. Now let's work on those for two days. So variation one through five, we're going to shoot it. Okay, you look like a fucking soup sandwich. Let me show you something a bit, um, you know. And then, mm-hmm. you're, yeah. you, then we're going to do it again. Oh, you look a little bit better. Then we're going to do it again. Now you're getting it down. Now you're going to, and, and honestly, those same courses, I've had students come from, um, uh, you know, who've taken them with the wrong gun. And they're right. left they're left behind because it's like, well, you can't do that with this gun. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like, um, you know, that's kind of the thing is they expect you to show up with the fucking Ferrari and when guys mm-hmm. show up with with a Ford truck, it's like, sorry, dude, we're we're here to teach Ferraris, and I've right. seen that happen a lot, and that's part of the why you're you got the question. Just like, dude, the other day, um, again going back to, there was a guy who came out of the army, taught a course, and somebody said, hey, we just had somebody here teaching a course. Oh, how'd that go? Oh, it was great. We had a fun time. What did you learn? Well, it was really cool. We shot through a hole. They did the loophole formula. Right. And it was like, okay, what'd you learn? Oh, it was super fun. We put it here and put a board and did this and did that. And it's like, okay, can you do it now? Right. They can't. No, because you didn't learn it. Right. They just, it was a demo of you going through the fucking loophole thing because it's Gucci, but that's what they remembered. And it was like that Absolutely. was the takeaway from the course was that the guy had him shoot through a hole and how neat it was that at 450, 500 yards, they're hitting a target they can't really see through a one-inch hole. And, right. and it's, it's like, okay, well, how about if I go to my software, I'm going to change the zero range to the target range, and then I'm going to change the yard increments to one yard increments, and where the plus and minus meet is where I'm going to stand and where the hole's going to be, and da 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 So, okay, I'm going to shoot 400. I need about 13 yards for my hole, and I'm going to do this. It's math. Right. But nobody knows how to do it because they, they, they give you the formula that you guys had in, in, the, in the Army versus right. I could say to everybody, dude, break out your software, change this to this, change this to this, Go. And it goes right here. Right. You know, but that, yeah, yeah. It's, that, it's that, it's that shoot. It's that steel safari mentality. You know, people want to go to a course and go on a safari or, or, or they go to a course thinking that they're going to learn and they get taken on a steel safari, Yeah. which, Hey man, if that's, if that's what you're doing and, and, and that's what you want, then by all means give the customer what they want. 
but it's, you know, it's, and, it's, and it's a guided writer, instruction you know, or was it guided? Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's a guided tour. Um, it's, right. It's guided. And, and that, that writer, you know, one of the things I asked, I asked him was, well, how do you, you know, since you're asking me this question, well, I want to ask you a question. I said, you know, how do you, how do you make a wind call? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, what, what is your process for making the wind call? Are you judging them in miles per hour? Are you, do you use gun numbers? You know? And they're like, Oh, I don't wouldn't do any of that stuff. I'm like, okay, so what do you do? You know? And they describe bracketing the bracketing the target and making corrections off of hits or misses. So they never knew how fast the wind was going. They were literally bracketing like, okay, well, I know that this target is this big, you know, in general size. So I'm going to hold, I'm going to favor or I'm going to hold an edge. Or if I know I have a really strong wind, then I'll hold off the target. Yeah. I'm going to listen to everybody else and hope I pick a clue up. That's pretty close to right by listening to, because everybody's talking and they're all basically trying to win call by committee. Right. In the beginning. Right. But nobody. That's where I, you know, I heard Kaylin and Phil talking, and you know, Kaylin was like, when somebody asked me for a, you know, wind call after I come off the stage, he's like, I'll tell him what the mile per hour value was. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, well, yeah, I mean, you're doing more of a service to that person by telling them that because chances are they're not going to go up that stage and shoot it with your gun. Oh, I so giving them your wind call doesn't matter for your or what your hold was. <laughs> you know, giving them what the mile per hour value is is. Is, is I, I do that on the third them. day, like third day of class when I tell everybody I ain't calling your win no more. Yeah. And then I had a student in Nebraska kept asking, hey, man, what's my win? What's my win? What's my win? And on the third day, I just would go eight. Eight what? Right. Eight miles an hour. Yeah, it's eight miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Make, make your hold based off of that. Yep. Because that's what I taught you how to do. Right. <laughs> Two days now, you've been listening to me. You know? Right. And, right. And, 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 well, it happens, man. But yeah. no, it's so I I like the idea of the shot process. I understand combining them, but I see where it works for me to separate them because mm-hmm. we're coming off the eval and I'm bringing you through your, your sheet. So I'm saying this is what we're seeing. This is where right. these apply. And then before we walking out to the range... I'm hitting you with shot process. Mm-hmm. And then that way right. there, you, I mean, to me, what shot process for me is WTF. Right. Win target fundamentals. You know what I mean? So I'm WTF right. in it. And, and all that was was a shot process. Look at the wind Absolutely. first because it's a wild card. Then your target range. What's your elevation? What, what's your trajectory? What are you shooting? Then your fundamentals, right? And so to mm-hmm. me, WTF is a shot process. And then I added this, like I said, I changed it to smack because I'm putting mobility up front um, just because right. of comps. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, and, and that's, why I, that's why I constantly tell people. It's like if you look at the, the really good instructors, the guys who've been in the game for a long time, not just instructors, but the real good, you know, shooters, and they've always thought of this as a process. You know, you talk to those guys that were doing the AMU stuff back in the 80s and 90s, and, and, and they've always described it as a process, but somehow that was something that was lost in translation. And I've heard a lot of theories as to why it's gotten the way it did. And either way, it doesn't matter. We teach the shot process and it works pretty well. No, it really <laughs> does. And 
and and it's and, it's to and, me it's and we logical. Have a PRQ coming up. We got a PRQ coming up this weekend, and that's where I'm I'm really looking forward to it because we're gonna get into the why instead of just the what. And I think uh, I think since these guys have come to PR one courses, um, it, it's it's really gonna switch a light bulb on, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see it. Um, and cause it's really nice to see. And, and, and I think you even saw it too in our course out in Texas back in April, you know, we do a crawl, walk, run, you know, their, their hands are being held. They're being taught the basics on the first day, the next day, they're doing a little bit more advanced stuff with their hands being held, but we're giving them a little bit of freedom of maneuver. And then on the last day we're saying, Hey kid, it's on you, you know, go out and do great things. And we saw some pretty impressive success from those guys making wind calls and Big wind, it was shooting a tricky off a barrier that they never it's, shot. It's, yeah, it's, having determined their own distance to target, you know, while they're doing all that stuff, and that just was really impressive. And that's why I'm looking forward to our PR two because it's it's going to be that next level. I hope, uh, I believe, this will be our first PR two, but it's going to be that next level of 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 awareness and understanding. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. We'll kind of get to see this process come to you know, come to fruition. No, and, and, and everybody, uh, it's on your CR2. It's on Sniper's Hide, the links for the uh, uh, Bridal Iron um, class we're doing in November. Was it November 10th weekend, or is it? Um... It's, yeah, so it's the, um, it's the, oh gosh, don't get me in line. It is going to be, I think, the 11th through 12th. I'll look right now. Uh, November 11th. No. <laughs> I am out of my mind. I, my 11th and 12th is this class this weekend. Uh, it, it's November 5th through 7th. 5th through 7th. 5th through 7th November. Yep. Yep. So 5, 6, 7 November. CR2 Shooting Solution website, or there's a link on Sniper's Hide. I mean, it's a, it's a, the food is fantastic. It's a great course. You're staying on site. We don't have to leave. We have a good time. Um, the range is fantastic. It's got great facilities. Uh, the, the, um, the, uh, tower they use is excellent. The winds are great. You guys, with your smoke was good. I saw you got a new batch of smoke came in. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we're really looking forward to keeping that. That's that's been a sustain in every course. Yep, guys, really love it because now it takes that thing that you know was it's kind of hard to see and understand, and it's adding some some tangibility to it. Um, so guys, really like that. And yeah. So yeah, I'm just gonna keep I'm just gonna keep buying smoke. <laughs> it's not it's not too bad. No, and, it's uh, good and stuff. And keep doing that at the course. Yeah. And and you guys have just been growing and growing. Your pig, uh, your what is it? Pig River sold out. Yeah. So once once I kind of stepped away from what I was doing for a day job, and kind of decided to put this as a focus, it was like a, a it was like a light switch, you know, switched on. And um, we've sold out everything this last half a year. Nice. We've nice. I mean, everything from Pig River to Tradecraft to to this PR two class in Georgia. I, I'm I'm really thinking Briar Iron's going to sell out. We only have a handful of slots left, um, really for something that was kind of announced kind of late in the late game. Last minute, right? Yeah. Um, so it's been great. I mean, it's been we've been growing so much. People have realized what we're doing and, and at least caught interest in it. And so um, you know, wanting to see what's going on. We have some great folks coming out to that. We actually have some executives from some companies coming out to that that course. Um, I think that I think that. Uh, uh, a national publication is actually going to send out um, one of their folks to to uh, you know do some photography and write an article about it. So that you guys should probably see that coming up. I don't know, probably early next year. So it's 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 growing. It's just super exciting, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I had and no idea where I was going to be a year ago. 
And just to kind of update everybody on, like I said, I've ran into, like, I have this fucking, I mean, this cloud over me is so black. It's fucking mosquito black. Um, it's, it's nasty. But anyway, I, I, I was giving myself artificial timelines. Oh, I'm going to do this by this day. And I'm going to do this by this day. And everything just stacked so fucking much. So what I'm doing is pushing it all back, opening myself up, letting it unfold. Like part of this 10 day trip in Alaska is to clear my head and get that sorted out. And then when I come home, I got to do a quick reset here. We got another set of trips with Mark and I. We're doing Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Tennessee. And then I come back in October. I'm like, I get to breathe. And yeah. so then I'm, I'm really not going to do these relaunches and stuff probably until around December with the gathering will be a big part of it. So I'm not trying to artificially create a timeline that's not working for me. So I know I've been talking a lot of mad smack. I'm going to do it on this day, this day, and that. That's out. That's gone. Um, I'm just going to let this unfold naturally and not try to force it because it's just putting yeah. me in a funky space to force shit. When I, I, there's no reason to. I'm doing it to myself. I want. I'm doing it because I want more for the guys out there, more podcasts, more content. And I'm, I'm right. lining that up, but I'm not in a position because I know the distractions are right around the corner to execute it the way I want to. Like when I execute it, it wants to, I want to execute it complete and not be like, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Mm. And unfortunately my life is in a start, stop zone right now. Um, I'm, I'm climbing out of it, but it, it's going to still take a bit. I'm not really going to be anywhere till October 13th. Um, so that's the first day that I can breathe. So it's yeah. like, why would I try to create like more podcasts and do things between then and now? Now I'm going to do a podcast when I come back from Alaska. And I think I'm going to go on Jacobs. He asked me to. Um, to talk about the hunt in Alaska because it's outside of Frank's comfort zone. I'm going to be throwing some things out there. Just the frequency is not going to be what people are expecting until probably December 1 um, is, is what it's looking like. But I am going to be doing more here in Colorado. We're going to open up the range here, more classes for that. So hopefully a little less travel and doing more here will allow me to not only sleep in my own bed, but create content because I could take the content from here, go straight to the house and create it. And it's not where I'm trying to create content on the road and then remember what I did to bring it home, to put it together and produce something for people where it's disjointed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just to fill people yeah. in what's going on with that. But I'm still going to continue to work with guys like yourself, do that, do this, and have everybody out. I think... Honestly, I think it's doing the industry really well. Like when you came into, uh, came out here and, and sat in for the day, I sat in with yeah. you guys, you know, and we're, mm -hmm. we're kind of going around the room and, and helping not only kind of uh, clean up each other, but inspire new stuff. Hey, man. Yeah. Man, oh, I got one more thing I have. Yeah, we're in a hurry, dude. Told you about Frank? Well, go ahead. I, you know, I'm gonna I'll make this quick because I know we're running long. Nah, but we're you know, fine. We can do long. <laughs> kind, kind of building on what you just said of bringing you know bringing more into this. So one thing that we're done, and this isn't going to matter to anybody listening to this podcast right now because they'll have missed the boat. But maybe in upcoming classes, it'll matter, and maybe we can we can tie some more of this into uh, some of the other things that we're doing, but we're bringing in a sports psychologist for this PR2 class this weekend. And I think that that's going to be a game changer, not necessarily for CR2, but just 
the community as a whole. So I'm, you know, kind of with, with what we've seen trending in the last year or so with maybe some of the, um, the, the, um, what was Jacob's match? The, um, uh, sniper, or Assassin's Way. Way. And, 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 and some of the stuff that Chris is doing, trying to professionalize this sport. And, and it really yes, can keep talking. Like I'm going to grab something off my shelf right here. I got to get the title yeah. of it. So you so keep Tom talking. Fuller was kind of, was kind of looking at it too with what he was doing with the AG cup of, of saying, Hey, let's make a, a, let's make a professional level out of this. You know, everything right now is like kind of a hobby. Let's grow this thing to, you know, and so why shouldn't guys be, you know, sponsored by a shoe company because they wear shoes when they compete and so on and so forth. But what we kind of wanted to do was let's bring in some of the, you know, the, the big brains that aren't necessarily just focused on shooting specifically, but by making people perform better. And this is something we're really excited about. We're bringing a sports psychologist in on my uh, shelf right here. And, and I got this probably nine months ago. I got it in the beginning of the year. I just haven't been able to dig into it yet. Yeah. But I have right here in my hand, motor learning and performance from principle to application. Awesome. Awesome. Right? Yeah. Same thing, man. Yeah. And, and what it is, yeah. is this guy is, is one of the most influential scientists in history of motor, motor control and learning research. Dick's work influenced how research was conducted in a laboratory, how theories were developed, and how the field of motor control and learning was taught to undergraduate and graduate students, practical issues and problems encountered in everyday life by applying scientific knowledge. Same thing, man. It's motor Absolutely. learning. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be talking about cognitive skills and competition mindset and, and kind of task processing because, you know, when you really think about what we're doing, this is very complicated stuff. Yes. You know, and that's why the best people who are the best at it are so far ahead of everybody else because they kind of understand that and, and, and kind of understand that approach. And you look at a lot of other even sports where, you know, you know, look at your pro football players. They got, you know, trainers that come in to train specific skills, not necessarily just throwing the football, but the mechanics of moving your arm. Right. Right. You know, they got guys that come in. To, to review footage to see, you know, and, 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 and they, you know, we even do that in the military, especially on the special operations side of it, of, of bringing in sports psychologists to talk to the guys about mindset and, and dealing with stress and not just because, Oh, well, everything's tough and I need to manage my stress, but no, like dealing with the stressors of being able to process gunfights. Yeah, You know, being able to process those really dynamic well, situations. We've been talking about in class a bunch that's come up and because uh, we, we've had a bunch of doctors in class lately. And um, yeah. so it comes up all the time. And one of them through golf, because I always talk to Phil Mickelson when he's slapping the trigger on Twitter. Uh, if you go to Twitter, right. look up Phil. He's shooting a six. I remember it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I bring him up all the time. And so one of the doctors brought up a, a study, whatever you want to call it. I don't know the right word at the moment. But um. A, t- a, a, a situation where they basically took a pro golfer and stuck one of those brain fucking things on them. And then they right. stuck an amateur golfer and put a brain thing on it. And the amateur's brain is going haywire and the pros is neutral. He's not thinking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and he's hyper focused. Right. And he's just, but it, he's, he's flatlined because right. he's no longer analyzing the results in his head before he does it. He knows what his results should be. Right. And he just the, has to focus on the execution. Yep. And so there's that whole mindset exactly like you're saying. So it's been coming up 
more uh, more and more the mindset of this, the brain side of this, you know? Absolutely. I mean, even going back in time, we always brought up the refrigerator hypothesis, you know, the five-shot group. We're going to shoot three shots. You know, we're shooting a five-shot group. We, we decide, hey, man, I'm going to shoot a five-shot group. Okay. You lay down at 100 yards. You're shooting your first three, and they're all in one hole. And you're like, holy shit. This is the greatest group I've ever shot. My new rifle mm-hmm. is awesome. This ammo is fantastic. I'm doing everything perfect. And now you start thinking about what you're seeing, and you shift and wiggle and shot four goes out of the group and fucks it up. Then you're like, motherfucker, uh, you know, and then you go to five and you stop thinking about it because you blew your group and five goes in the same hole Mm -hmm. because you stop thinking. But what happens is we, we get in our head and our head changes shit we don't ever realize. And we're going, hey, man, this group is going on the refrigerator. My wife's going to give me oral pleasures, you know, all kinds of shit. (laughs) And, and, and that's and meanwhile you blow the fucking shot. Right. And so that's right. kind of what's going on in, in, in our mind, and it only makes sense to bring someone in to this level to talk about it. Absolutely. So we're really excited about that, man. I think it's gonna be a really good thing that we can provide to our students and, and hopefully that becomes a trend in the industry. And then uh, our last thing that we're doing and it kind of ties into that, but it's it is separate, is we're 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 working on putting together a mentoring package that is kind of a technology package where we're using different devices from photography to film to the Mantis X to the craft drill and some of these other things and packaging that all together. So that like, like, like the quarterback who reviews his game footage to see the things that he did wrong and the, and the decisions he made and the, the things he did right and, and kind of analyzing why the things evolved the way they did is it, we're, we're looking at that from a shooter standpoint and trying to provide as many metrics as possible and then being able to provide one-on-one mentorship with our students, um, whether it be after hours at these courses or even going forward in the future where, you know, we can really analyze them as, a, as an individual, not just an entire group class, and kind of be able to help them break down where they're at in their process and the things that could tweak and, and what things were successful, what things weren't, and, and, and being able to provide that, that holistic approach. No, it makes perfect sense, so, man. It's smart. Yeah. You know, I mean, you talk about it. Football, they're watching movies and game fucking footage every minute. There's got to be a Absolutely. benefit otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, think th- of NASCAR. I mean, think of how many people are watching that car Dude, the pit stops, they watch them. As soon as they're done with a pit stop, they're at the monitor watching everything they did. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. I I think that's, you know, I think to to his credit, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, I think that's why Chris Andrews runs Mammoth so well because that's what he does for a living for race cars, and he has the competition Mammoth broke down to such a degree that he's thought of everything and every possible scenario, and – and that match now in these last three years, like runs, I don't want to say without hiccup because they're sure there's hiccups, but you never know that there was a hiccup because he planned for those hiccups to be there. Yep. You know, yep. he's, he's planned every process, every movement, every step the person taking, where they're going to end up, when they're going to end up there, how long it should take them. If it doesn't, you know, if something goes wrong and, you know, and, and just to that nuanced level, because that's the world he comes from, he's applied that to match directorship. And that's why I think that, 
you know, Mammoth, which was already just such a massive uh, endeavor to begin with and such had such a big following, has, has somehow grown. Yep. You yep. know, in these last few years. Well, and, and to go on a craft thing real quick, I kind of did a modification. I'm, I'm coming up with now, I, uh, so I'm getting a lot of feedback on quals and drills and things. So I wanted to have like a final qual type of drill. And so it's a ramp, it's a variation, um, or a riff rather. It's a riff on Chris's uh, craft drill. I'm okay. doing it, uh, I'm doing 103, uh, 100, 300, 600 yards. Three shots prone, three shots kneeling, three shots standing. Uh, kneeling and standing are off a tripod, barricade, whatever you have. Um, basically, right. uh, it's 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 two M away, two M away, and then a sixty six percenter. But what I'm using at three hundred is shooting shooting C has like a pistol insert, and it's like three by five. It's an oval, and it's a it's the insert for like their pistol target to cover it. Mm-hmm. But it's like money for 300 yards. It gives you a little bit more elevation, but still about a minute width. And I like it. So I did a video on sniper's hide in the training section where you're, you're basically three shots prone, figure out, make sure everything's good. You're going to shoot you. It's a one round or one point per round. So nine rounds, at 100, nine rounds at three, nine rounds at six. Then I'm putting for time limit, you're going to do a five-minute time limit. However, if you do it, if you want to work up to three minutes or better, give yourself an extra point. So it would be like a 30-point possible, but in the beginning, people would just do the 27 because it would be nine, nine, and nine. Then you can get an extra point for three minutes or less, three minutes or less, but give yourself five minutes. Put yourself on a clock. Right. You know what I mean? So this way there, I'm kind of looking at doing that for drills moving forward and that we're going to do this this prone, uh, then kneeling, standing at one, three, and six. And the six is on steel. So there you go, man. I, I kind of did a little riff on Chris's thing and I'm creating that. And that's going to be sort of like your basic standard for sort of a sniper's high type qual. Yeah. I like it. Well, it provides metrics, you know, and, and really that's what a lot of this stuff is, is if you want to be able to figure out how to become better, you know, well, and you, you need, need tools metrics. to measurement, right? Right. You exactly like you're saying you need the, you need the standards. Okay. So you want, you, you want, you want 27, you know, shots. You're going to have those 27 hits and you want them from multiple positions, okay, well, where are you dropping your points? You're probably not dropping them in the prone. Maybe at six, you're dropping them in the wind. You know, then your time, you can start increasing your time, and you can always build better, you know, what is that. And if you can get it down to a three-minute part-time, you're flying. And, 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 you know, build and break and things like that, you could put it together. I've actually, it's, it's helped me a little bit, and I've figured out with my size, I can do the tripod unopened in in the kneeling. Basically, how it comes out of your bag folded like NRL Hunter. You know, you have to fold them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can come out of my bag and I could do kneeling all day without changing anything. And then all okay. I have to do to pop it up for standing is really just the big one. And I can get away with, especially if I go um, table with a bag on it, it makes up the difference that I need to open the legs 
So right. I can get away with only opening one set of legs out. And to me, this is how I'm finding what works for Frank time-wise. And how can I increase my speed? How can I do these things a little better? Well, gee, I don't have to mm-hmm. open the tripod. I could be super friggin' stable. I got to practice it more. I'm actually more stable standing than I am kneeling because I shoot standing so much. Right. Off the tripod, you know? Mm -hmm. So now when I'm going to the kneeling, I can work on that kneeling and to get in quicker. And I know I have to increase my stability in the kneeling. And that's my weak point. So if I fix my kneeling, now I just solved a bunch of problems. And and so that's kind of where I'm going with that stuff. But no, I think it was a uh, fucking great, great discussion, man, that we had. Absolutely. No, man, I look forward to these. Looking, Looking forward to getting some feedback on it. You know, for, for us, it, it helps us grow, you know, and, and we really do look at that feedback from you guys, from these podcasts from the forums and stuff like that to figure out, you know, what direction we need to go in and, and really how we can better serve the community and how the community needs to grow. Yeah, so, totally, man. No, I'm a hundred percent with you guys on it. And I, and I do think it's a good thing that we're all pushing each other, but I mean, yeah, let's open up these avenues and let's find the, the, the new word that makes it more logical, the new word that resonates with more people. If there's a word that we can use, well, why aren't we using it? So let's explore them. Let's do it. Cool, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me, bro. All righty, dude, I'm going to close out of here, and then we'll be done. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. I'll be back. Don't worry, just not as frequently, and I appreciate you guys hanging tight with me. Ooh.